Oh, yes, we have a program to do, so I I guess I ought to stop dancing. <laughs> Hello out there. You're listening to Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead, and that was Lou Donaldson. And Lou Donaldson and the Isley Brothers teamed up on this number, which uh, became a big hit, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, we have, let's see, it was written by the Isley Brothers, O'Kelly, Ronald, and Rudolph. We have uh, Melvin Sparks on guitar, Idris Muhammad. Who would have thought Idris Muhammad is strictly jazz, but uh, here he is on drums. Ed Williams on trumpet, and of course, Lou Donaldson on alto sax, and the great Charles Erland on organ. This is Lead Stories, as I said, and we, we're going to talk some court talk today. Why? Because there's been an indictment in this case. You might know, um, maybe you don't know, but it was announced today, the mass shooting. Uh, there was an indictment on murder charges, and they're not done yet. There are supposed to be some more deliberations pertaining to other charges that should be announced soon. But I wanted to kind of get a little philosophical with you today and ask you, what is the, well, we're going to talk about the coverage. This is what I was leading up to before they preempted me and decided to come up with a, an indictment. But I wanted to cover the tone of the coverage, media coverage so far of this case. Um, what are your thoughts? What is supposed to, what is happening here? And you look, I want to give you some hints. So the indictment finally is out today, the first of supposedly others to follow, which means that the case is taking on a very serious tone now and uh, will soon go to trial. But even as the case begins to form itself, you have to look at what precedes it, and that is media coverage of this case. Why? Because the coverage of this case, or the coverage given this case, sets us up to look at the defendant in a particular way. And that, in turn, is going to bear heavily on the jury's deliberations when they get to that point, but all throughout the trial as well. So we'll take a look at the media coverage so far. What do you ascertain from the media coverage that you have seen, whether in print or 
uh, on radio and television or in the newspaper, what is your general attitude toward media? How do you characterize it so far? What is it doing? Uh, And will what it's doing, uh, you think, affect the outcome of the trial or the beginning of the trial? and the popular opinion about this trial. 888-874-4888. I'd like to know what you're thinking on this particular question and for a particular reason. How has the, uh, the media, how have the media set this person up for us? To what should we be thinking as things begin to be more formalized and charges are more formalized against him. And what do you think the outcome of that? Was it persuasive for you? Did you find yourself feeling a particular way about the defendant in the case? And if so, what were you feeling? 888-874-488. Um, something has already begun I don't know if you're hip to it yet uh, or if we need to go a little further but it's very interesting Ed from Queens, you start us off today how are you doing? Good afternoon, Chris, how are you doing? Okay, Ed, thank you Yeah. Uh, Well, basically uh, the initial coverage of this horrific event, I've I've been paying attention, and uh, I'm seeing as they keep on calling this this man a boy, the young man, the teenager, the, the you know the troubled youth. I, I'm, you're getting a, a, a humanistic picture of him. They're discounting the fact that this this uh, individual had a racist tirade. He he had multiple posts. He was. Uh, He's a self-proclaimed white supremacist. That that angle, as far as I'm concerned, without with few exceptions of uh, some black news outlets, by the mainstream media is being played down, and they're keying more to his uh, his mental state, his uh, his inability to cope, uh, the fact that he was uh, had issues with his high school. And uh, we're discounting the fact this is a premeditated act. I mean, this man drove over 100 miles from where he lives and scoped the area out. Actually, close to 200 miles from his home. Yes, on his own. He scoped the area out. He had made plans. He prepared. He 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 practiced shooting from his car. He uh, but you have to dig for these. As of now, I had to dig to find these uh, these aspects of the reportage. It's not being, uh, in my opinion, it's not being, it's not being uh, played out as it should be. This is a premeditated act directed at a specific group of, indiv- a specific group of Americans, and uh, he, should, he should receive the full measure of the law. He sh- I'm not an advocate of the death penalty, but I believe some individuals should not be allowed to be exposed to society anymore, and he's one of them. He had a scenario. He had, a, he, he had an agenda. And he played it out. He practiced it. He, he picked a vulnerable community. He, he sized it up. And he came back 
in full protection of himself, and he did what he had to do. And and like and, and people people get on me for this, but I'm saying if he'd have been an African American or a Latino, he would have been dead. It wouldn't have been uh, a capture or a survival. They would have found a way to kill him. They have weapons, they have bullets that can go through body armor, and he would have been dead. That's my personal opinion. So I think they're setting you up to have sympathy for this individual, and it's not warranted. Well, you just preempted me. I was going to ask you, what is the point of all of this? And you just answered it. It is to humanize him, to humanize him, and in a way to gain some sympathy, because a smart lawyer would argue that this guy was really off the charts in terms of his mental orientation. He was kind of, he was out there. And there wasn't anybody to bring him back. So he was lost all by himself in his own world. So we need to keep that in mind. They will tell us. Let's take, let's take a look at the, let's take a look at a similar case. Earlier this year, the, in New York City, the the, the African American that shot up the uh, the train, he the, he was portrayed as a madman. He there, there were comments about terrorism and all of this and all that, but he didn't kill anybody, and he turned himself in. So I mean, you know, it's this country is blinded by its racism. It's blinded by its 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 its, its sense of of. Uh, caste and race and and, 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 and and the delusions of it and the media just plays into it. But uh, no, I, I got no sympathy for this guy. This, this guy. Let this guy feel the full measure of the law. But let's stay there on your point for a minute. The black guy who shot up, who shot up the uh, subway system, um, yeah. he got serious treatment by the courts. What is the difference? What is the the definitive difference between that guy and our guy here that we're talking about today? Well, I mean, obviously, this is a white individual. He's Caucasian of, you know, origin. And uh, insofar as race is a construct, it's how your race determines how you're treated in this country. Or whether subconsciously or consciously, it's racism is a is built into the infrastructure of this country. It's built into the judicial system. It's built into the criminal justice system, and it's built into the presentation that this man is receiving. There's the until we knew the particulars of the of the first case, I can't remember the, the guy's name uh, that that shot up the subway. He was an animal. He was a, a, a menace, and he, he was a uh, you know, until the, the particulars of the case came out that the man was mentally disturbed and didn't, he didn't actually harm anybody. It was more of a pl- plea for help. This guy, oh, he's mentally disturbed and he's a young, he's a teenager. He's a, he's a 19-year-old man who came, who, who, who yes, made but a you know, act. He wrote a manifesto. Yes. He's an intellectual. <laughs> he is a yes. person of, of great intellect. He wrote he wrote a plagiarized manifesto. Half of his manifesto ah, came very from very good, very good <laughs> word. That's the word I was talking about. Came from a, came from another race. It's crazy. The the Muslim mosque. So I mean, he's not any he's not anything original. 
this is not something that is that is new. He's no genius. He's no. He took part of his manifesto then part of it for Timothy McVeigh. I mean, this country. The problem in this country is this: the the director of the FBI said it a few years ago. The greatest terrorist threat in this country is white supremacists. The worst act in this country that had happened prior to 9-11 was the bombing of the Murrah Federal Building. And that was done by a white person. And, this, and, and, and if you can, you can catch Muslims, you can co-intelpro Black Panthers, how come you can't set up a, the same sting operation on these white supremacists who blatantly show themselves? There's been 10, 11 attacks like this, all based on white supremacist uh, uh, actors. And, 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 and the FBI, the CIA can't catch them? Thank you for getting us started today. It was worth listening to you today. <laughs> Every day, actually. Gwen from New York, you. you're on the air. Hi, Patrice. Uh, how are you? setting us up. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hi. What are um, we being set up for in this trial that is to come? Well, I can speak narrowly on that. A little bit, um, because I've only seen a little bit of the coverage on TV. And what I saw on TV was he was dressed in a, a hospital gown, two of them, one closed in the front and one closed in the back. And I thought that's very odd, really, really weird that you'd put that on TV. And why didn't he have his clothes on? And were they were so afraid that, that he would hurt somebody, they, they took off his clothes. I mean, how could he hurt somebody? He was disarmed. So I think that putting that hospital gown on was a play to the audience to uh, to direct your uh, point of view in a more sympathetic direction or at least in a direction to say there's really something wrong with this guy. He's got some kind of mental illness or we would be showing him in his clothes, but they purposely showed him not in his clothes. So, yes, I think there is uh, there is a, 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 a direct um, uh, way they're trying to get people to be sympathetic to him. He is young. And I think the same thing is happening with the young man uh, in the South who went into the church and killed all those people, too. There was a lot of um, very uh, good pictures of him looking very young and, and impish and sympathetic. And, uh, you know, lots was discussed about how, how old he was. And I, and I guess, you know, really the sad thing is that these kids are so young. And um, the other thing I wanted to say was that, you know, I, I'm sorry, I just have an issue with all of these shootings. Now, in the beginning of these shootings, in the very beginning when we started having these mass shootings, the police never tried to not kill somebody. They didn't give a damn. They would go in and whoever they were, whoever the shooter was, they did shoot them. And I remember from the beginning saying that is really weird because you're not supposed to shoot them. You're supposed to bring them in and interrogate them and find out why they're doing what they're doing. Why are they, why are they killing them instead? And that was a pattern. Now, still, for the most part, they are, are killing a lot of people, but it seems like it's eased up. And it was really strange to me that they didn't shoot, they didn't, uh, shoot and kill uh, the subway uh, shooter in New York. And I, I have to say, as far as I know, with that subway shooter, that people were hurt. People were shot uh, on the subway. They, they weren't killed, but they were shot. So people didn't walk away unscathed. But there was a much different, much more hostile, angry um, narrative around him. And um, 
no one was, I mean, you know, when I look, when I heard his backstory, I couldn't condone what he had done, but I could understand it a lot better because of the frustration and anger he had gone through going through this system. It will make you crazy. So, uh, you know, but none of that was being discussed. Uh, all, I, all I heard was um, self-righteous, uh, highfalutin uh, uh, people uh, talking about, uh, you know, this rotten scoundrel. And it was a rotten thing to do. But, you know, in this case, I haven't heard too much about this kid except for that uh, he's very young and they put a very sympathetic picture up. And I guess, you know, I know you're going to get mad at me for saying this, Utrecht, but I am sorry. Me, when I look at all of these shootings, I think that these shootings are all very strange. I think there's something very similar about all of them. And I wonder why. what is what's really behind the shootings and is there something more at play than just people going out and shooting other people and you know there is things called mind control and there was one other thing that gary Knoll has brought up many times and no one on regular tv that i've ever heard has ever said and gary has brought this up and said many times that when uh when they um, did a profile of almost all the shooters the kids they had all been on psychotropic drugs while they were in school. And those psychotropic drugs are very dangerous. Uh, I know that I dated somebody who went on to um, Prozac, and, and this guy was a very nice person, always kind but very depressed. He turned into, like, a maniac. I mean, he started painting pictures of me with my head cut off, and I mean, he was really, really crazy. And I remember telling his doctor, and his doctor saying, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about him, but I would just advise you to stay away from him. Like, Wow. I said, how about you stop prescribing this stuff? So I guess in in, in bringing up this point, I think that we really need to look a lot more closely, at least at the younger people that are doing these shootings. And what are they on? Uh, if you're, if, if, if somebody who is, somebody has been treating you for a psychological disorder, I bet you you're on some kind of drugs. And so if Gary's theory is correct, that the drugs have something to do with the violence, which I think could be very, you know, could be very plausible. I think that we really need to uh, start looking into that. But you know we're not going to do that because there's so much money in drugging up kids today. And the idea that, you know, I'm not going to go any further, but that they are drugged up, they're drugged up before they go to school, and many of them, especially lower-income kids, turn into total zombies. They can't produce anything anymore. They turn into, you know, watermelon heads. They got nothing in there anymore. And I've seen it happen. But so that, I, I does that seem mm-hmm. to be the case with 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 uh, this young man, this 18-year-old? Does that seem to be the case with him? Wasn't he, be, wasn't he being treated? I heard that he had written something in high school that said he wanted to kill himself and other people, and that they did send him to a psychiatric hospital. They did do that. So I don't know, and I do know he was released, and I also know his father bought the gun for him. And maybe, you know, Mary, maybe these parents should be, you know, held responsible. You buy a gun for a kid that says, I want to kill myself and other people, I mean, I think you have some responsibility there, too. But I, I just, 
you know, I'm sorry. It wasn't because there was no crimes when I was coming up, and it wasn't because there was not things as such as lynchings and other things. But I don't remember ever anything like this happening. I remember that when this all started, it sort of started around the Columbine thing, and then it just cap- it keeps happening over and over and over again. And no, at the beginning, they were killing the people that were doing the killing, not interviewing them, not trying to find out, you know, what their beef was. Now it looks like not so much, but it's a really good distraction when you need a distraction. Right now in this country, there's a couple of big things that could be held as distractions while we are going into the toilet financially, literally down the drain and, and engaging in a war with a superpower that could wipe us off the map. And I just got to ask myself, are these things happening to keep my mind off of worrying about whether or not we are going to go into full tilt war with Russia? Is that why this is happening? Um, you know, it seems very strange timing, even with the, with the Roe versus Wade case. Really strange that, you know, in the middle of this total chaos we have, all of a sudden, this is the time that we're going we're gonna to reverse that case. I don't know, shortchange the conversation. Not too many people are talking about Russia now. They're talking more about that. So many times I think that, that when we see these things, look, I'm sorry, things do happen, and conspiracies happen. And the government has done some terrible things, and we know them outwardly. We know there was COINTEL. We know there was Tuskegee. So don't tell me that with the way that they can control minds today that there aren't people that they can do do things to compel them to do things like this. I'm just saying that that thought does cross my mind because I see it so frequently, and many times I've seen it when other big news stories were out there, and it really takes takes air out of those other news stories and concentrates it all over here. So just saying, okay? Just saying, okay. Thank you so much <laughs> for contributing today. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 888-874-4888. What is with the setup, the media setup? When when I say the word setup, I I didn't mean it as something uh, underhanded. It's just that with the media coverage, the total media coverage, what is it conditioning us to think and to do, if you think it is in fact doing that. And how would it possibly affect this case as it begins to shape up? 888-874-4888. This is a most unusual case, but at the root of it, there are some things that ought to be very similar to other cases that we have seen before. Edgewater, E from Edgewater, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Eutrice. Good afternoon, E. I think I have an answer in my head for Ed and Gwen. Their questions was, Ed's question was, why can't some co you know like they did the COINTEL pro thing for black panthers and got in, infiltrated into these groups why can't they cut down on these white supremacist groups because they want them to be, exist because they want black people to believe that most white people hate black people and want to see them all dead 
And I think that's the farthest thing from the truth, the, the, the impossible. So that's why they keep these lunatic fringe people out there and they're brainwashed and they're mind controlled for a long time because this kid has problems, 18 years old, and he was threatening all through his schooling, he was threatening people. I don't know what his parents were doing. Seems to remind me of a lot of these uh, things that are going on with these white kids that have no guidance or nothing, and they got all kinds of money. I mean, he can drive three uh, hours and go into a super. The, the last place you would want to go into a supermarket because it's full of uh, anti-theft people that are undercover. They're armed. It's like going into a police station to shoot people up. He could have drove a half an hour in any direction, probably from where he lived, and found a black neighborhood and in a country with 350 million people. But uh, they want us to believe this. And it's, it just seems like a, a, a mind control thing. And I, and I agree, Gwen. It's a distraction of distractions of distractions. And what's going on in the Ukraine is a distraction to keep us from knowing that what's really going on is there's people are being We're not told. talking about Ukraine today. We're talking okay. about this particular case. No, I'm not talking about Ukraine either. I'm answering Gwen's question that she ended up with was, is what's going on and why they keep putting these stories in front of us of these racist kinds of events here, is that to distract us from what's going on with this pandemic and now this war going on there? I think it's all a couldn't distraction. It just be, couldn't it just be the news? And they're reporting the news, and they're fulfilling their uh, obligation to society to, purport, to report on the news. Yeah. Okay, uh, we, we could go with that. And that's why we're in the position that we're in. And we've always been in this position because we keep making excuses for them of why they're reporting certain stories and not reporting other stories. And why they put a story in a, in a paper that was considered the biggest paper in New York City, the New York Times, would put lies stories in their papers and keep it in there for six weeks and get people all riled up about things. It's just a, a manipulation of our minds and the people and we're being murdered by the same kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's even stranger than that, Patrice. <laughs> it's like, if you're not, if you don't have $100 million, then you're not in the club, all right? And I'm using that number because Joe Rogan was alerted that he now joined the club when he signed that contract, and he's required to to obey the rules, like when you join a community, a gated community, or a golf, a country club, you have rules to follow, and the rules are you don't talk about ivermectin and uh, hydrochloroquine. You, you tell people to wear masks, and you tell people to stay socially apart, and you tell people to get vaccinated. And that's what you do, Joe Rogan or else you have trouble. And that's what Neil Young and uh, Joni but, Mitchell But you're way to off him. topic. I'm, I'm sorry, no, I'm, you're way off I'm way off, but it's all connected, you Teresa, and I'm, no, I but, apologize. No, but we, the main thing is we want to get on with the topic. All right, because, I'm uh, going back to it right now. I'm wrapping it up. I rolled it all around, and now here it is. This, this person is obviously 
mind-controlled and brainwashed since he was a young boy, and now he let his what he was telling everybody he was going to do, he did. And he did a very stupid thing to go into a supermarket to do it. It just it doesn't make any sense. When things don't make any sense, it doesn't, it, doesn't it alert you to something strange is going on? So they, wanna, they, they want this thing to go on. And they want it to be looked at as, as white people killing black people so they can keep this racism thing going because slavery was supposedly abolished. So they don't have that anymore. So they got to keep this kind of thing going where, where uh, white supremacists is what they call them. And they're lunatic fringe people. All right. I'm not saying that they're not hateful and disgusting people that should never be allowed. He should have been institutionalized a long time ago and this tragedy would have never occurred. But, you know, we can say that about everything. What the point is, there's a manipulation going on and I'm trying to expose it the best I can. All right, Yatrice? I apologize for being off the subject. All right. Thank you so much, E. Jackie from Brooklyn, you're on the air. What is your take on the pre-trial, if you will, the pre-trial coverage, what is supposed to be, what is it supposed to be doing to us and for us? Are you able to Hello, hear Jack. me? Okay. Just a little bit louder would be good. On my um, a different phone, so it, sometimes it acts crazy. Okay, uh, first of all, uh, I'm a little frustrated with, uh, and with all due respect to all callers, uh, but I'm a little frustrated with how people just go off the deep end. Um, um, I, I was hoping we could stay on topic about the case. Uh, there should be, I partly agree and I partly disagree with the callers, there should have been a deeper uh, exploration of the shooter's background, his parents, was he influenced by anyone using him as a tool to carry out these policies? And the policies that he... But, but let me interrupt you for one second, because what I'm particularly looking for is how has coverage uh, basically affected our view of someone who has been... Uh, indicted for a very serious crime and who will soon go to trial. What is your view now? Is it different from from what it was before the well, indictment? My view is not different, um, but the problem that we're having here is that we don't have enough background information. When this young person was indicted, he's being indicted for murder. And it's clear that it was premeditated and well thought out and blah, blah, blah. But the point is, uh, where is the liability of the parents if they purchased guns for him? Where is the uh, liability of the people who evaluated him, whatever institution or whatever? We don't know the background about all of that. He was evaluated for mental health 
potential violence. He was released. He wasn't, I don't believe he was ever hospitalized. We don't even have all of the information of, regarding his uh, mental health status prior to this shooting. And these yeah, are Yeah, but we, all the way down the road on the trial, the upcoming trial, when in uh, fact there's so much more to know about this young man, but we can certainly see the difference in tone by media organizations in how they regarded him, how they reported on him, and how they would report on a typical other person who is charged with a similar crime. I agree. Here's a guy who is 18 years old. He is pretty much nominated by the media as a, a you know a, a, a one of a kind he's a brilliant young man he's got a manifesto i mean wait, wait what does that have to do with anything and the manifesto as ed so correctly pointed out is cut and paste you take from here, you paste it on a page, and you add some more to it from another source. And shalala, you have a manifesto. And the effort was being made, and still is being made, to position him as a person who was wrestling, he might have been wrestling privately with all kinds of demons, but he was a brilliant young man. So the, the sympathy ought to be for him as a brilliant young man who has be, become sidelined by life and the temptations uh, of the street. But this is, it, it is a, do you find that they present him as a, an extraordinary person not a killer, but as a an extraordinary person with a brilliant mind. Okay. I'd like to be respond, Dietrich. How he's being mm-hmm. portrayed and how other incidents in this society is expressed is just an overall photo of how black lives are deemed valuable or less valuable than other lives. And this is just another example of no matter what part of this society, what institution in this society you go to, you're going to see this kind of treatment, whether it be the legal system, the medical system, whatever system, housing, whatever. So it's not shocking to me, and it shouldn't be shocking to our audience. Uh, And the other thing is that uh, there is some truth to one thing that I agree with Gwen about these children being given psychotropic medication. I don't know if there's any connection between their behavior, young adults and their, but we don't even know if this man, young man was ever given the medication. What we do know, what we do know factually is that he deliberately, calculatedly, and carried out a plan to execute innocent people. Now what we, the people, have to figure out is try to get as much information as possible. I don't sure. think it's appropriate to publish any manifesto by him. 
because all that does is give other young people, other people in the world, a blueprint of what he proposed to do. So if someone has that same uh, evil intent, but they don't know how to carry it out, now they have a blueprint on how to carry it out. And again and again and again, people who are the, the victims of all of this do not rise up and demand that this be treated in a different way. We just accept the structure, the status quo, and then that's it. You know, they put, you know, we told you and I and the audience talked about this the other day. There's a whole script that everybody follows, and none of that is going to change until such time as the people who are the victims of all of this say, we're not going to participate in the script. Don't come in our communities after the fact and interview the victims of the crimes. Don't come here and, you know, want to speak to the son and the grandmother and the father of a victim. Let's talk about why was this person given a gun. Let's talk about how did he get the gun. Let's talk about what, what is going on and what was going on in his home. How was he raised? How was he uh, nurtured? How was he to come to this point in life? And then what happens between the period when he was sent to the mental for mental observation until the time of the of the incident of the shootings? What happened? So the the media is not reporting any of that. Why are we still expecting other people to have more concern about our lives than we have ourselves? This is a problem. Right. That we have. Thank you so much for your contribution today. We'll pause for a break. And come back to your thoughts at 888-874-4888 right after this. You're listening to Lead Stories on PRN.FM. I'm Eutrice Lead. We're talking about this case which is which has, as of today, developed uh, quite a bit from the last time we talked about it. And this is a case of the young man who drove almost 200 miles into a city, a predominantly black city, um, and mowed down, killed 10 people, injured three others. And we're learning today that he, there has been an indictment, and the considerations continue with regard to another range of charges. But we're talking about how this person is being treated, this mass killer who is 18 years old, how he is being treated by media and how that in turn affects the, the way people, the public, see him. So... Uh, that is where we are with this case. It's developing, as I said, it's going to get more intricate because these kinds of cases, the mass murders, are very difficult and yet very easy. You have to be a generalist and you have to be specific in your application of the law at the same time. So we'll see how the prosecutor manages this, but there are some legitimate questions that could be asked even now. 
that affect our uh, view of how this case is developing and therefore what we can expect to happen once the trial starts. What I was looking for was how the the young man, I don't even want to call his name, um, how was he viewed as opposed to a typical black defendant? Even one in a similar situation of committing multiple murders. How does a system begin to prosecute cases like this? What are the mechanisms they use to buttress what they are going to do in court? Here we have this 18-year-old being, at every time he was uh, mentioned, uh, he was also mentioned as the author of a 180-page manifesto, the point of which was that he had a bone to pick with a system that allowed people to come into the United States or to rise up within the United States and replace white people. He said, and you know, on an academic level, you could pulverize this guy with some of his so-called beliefs and statements that he has made uh, very clearly anti-people of color and very clearly uh, aimed at bolstering white supremacy. He, in fact, called himself a white supremacist, a racist, and he was uh, a proponent. I don't even want to talk about the theory, but his theory, and it was a theory, the larger theory being pushed by a larger group of people, is that the United States is undergoing a dramatic change not only racially, but ideologically. And both come together in the question of what will happen to white people if blacks, Latinos, Asians, and others were to continue coming into the United States at the rate that they are, or continue to be born within the United States at the rate that they are, it spells doom for white people in America. And they will be replaced. And this is the whole theme that he was extolling. And people are saying, well, you know, he's got a point. He's got a point there. What will happen to white people? Are white people being attacked? Are these the kinds of, uh, perhaps we don't even see them, but we know that it's having, the, the plan is having effect because there are too many black people integrated now into the workforce, too many Latinos, too many Asians, and so forth. And it was his idea to begin a one-man campaign, but, of course, to 
invite others to join him in exterminating these people who are looking to be the replacements of whites in America. What are your thoughts about that? 888-874-4888. Do we, do we feel sympathetic towards somebody who holds these views? Should we extend a level of credibility to a person like this? And who goes into a supermarket while people are trying to just gather f- food stuffs for the weekend, and he mows down ten and injures three more, and he came all the way, almost two hundred miles from his home to do this. What does it say about this case? How would you, if you were uh, somehow involved in this case, how would you present it? How would you present him? 888-874-4888. Or is it strictly a legal matter, nothing else, nothing more than that? We're making way too much of this case than should be made of it. Uh, It's like any other case, except we have a few differences. But uh, other than that, it's your basic murder case. You think so? <laughs> 888-874-4888. We should watch this case very closely because we see also the difference in the way the entire system has situated itself with regard to this case. Oh, Ed, you're back. You're on the air. Yeah, I'm doing it, Chief. I appreciate this. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm listening, you know. You people are really missing the point. There have been 11 acts of individual shootings by people with allegedly white supremacist background. And this country has ignored it. The, the director of the FBI said it himself a couple of years ago. The greatest threat of terrorism in this country is, is white supremacists. There is a history of racism, white supremacists, from the KKK to the Posse Comitatus. It's in, when I was in the Army, it's in the military. It is an underlying factor that motivates this country. And there are a lot, and there were 75 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump that proved my point. I don't care if this kid was on psychotropics. I don't care if he had, if, if, if he had daddy issues, mommy issues. He took a racist diatribe from two individuals, one an assassin at a mosque, another one who blew up the federal building, and they got back then, and they got that from other racist diatribes that have prevailed through this country, and we cannot let this government go with this. It's ridiculous, it, 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 and it's totally ludicrous. And, and, and I, I got to find a way to, to, to make this, to drive this point to home. These white supremacist people are out there. They're getting away with these acts, and, and it's going to continue. With, with, gun, with the lack of gun control, with the love of the gun that this country has, and the amount of weapons that are in this country, and the amount of individuals that exist, especially with all this new prevailing media, Twitter, uh, uh, Stitcher, all these other media outlets, They've got new outlets, they've, and, and it's, a, it's a force that's building. 
It's a force that's building and it's being ignored by people. We can't get cloudy. We, we, we can't get, we can't lose focus. This guy is a hateful person. He's a, he's a, he's a man. He planned this act. He, he had it mapped out. Whatever his, his, his problems are, whatever his mental, whatever, that's out of the question. He killed 10 innocent people, and half of those people were elders in their 60s and their 70s. This guy needs to be under the freaking jail. Okay, Ed, thank you. Thank you so much. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Uh, greetings, you, Therese, and greetings to your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going try to try to stay on point here. The this thing you're talking about here, the the shooting in Buffalo and the uh, the perpetrator, um, you know, well, he's going to be. This is what I'm thinking. Okay, now first of all, this whole this whole affair, unfortunately, it's further uh, evidence in support of the Crest theory of color confront, confrontation and racism, white supremacy. That theory developed and, and written about 1970 by Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Yeah, this but young, could, we, this, could we give up? Could we move a little way from who has what or who proffered what theory? We talking about here? We have a situation in which uh, this case will soon go to trial. Yeah. Uh, the, it's the uh, the the um, indictment was announced today. Yeah. What is the climate? What is the climate, and how would it affect you think this case and the outcome of this case? What is the climate? The the, the climate is that we we live. In a global system of racism, white supremacy, I said system. Now, this fella, this 18-year-old fella, he, bless his heart, no, we'll cancel, cut, delete that. Listen, he is an expression of his elders. He, you know, young people are generally, you know, more real than older, so-called sophisticated, refined uh, people, for lack of a better word. You know, a, a child will tell you that you're ugly. And, uh, you know, but, but but older folks will, you know, find another way around it. This this young fella, he just expressed straight up, straight up, the real, the raw mindset of white supremacy. They want to, uh, the ultimate purpose of white supremacy is to prevent white genetic survival. The purpose is, 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 is white, no, not to prevent it, but to promote Protection. white genetic survival yeah. and prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth. And that's what this fellow was talking about, if, the, if he, in fact, wrote that, uh, so, that manifesto or what have you. That's the he bottom line. It. He didn't write it. He put pieces of things he grabbed from here and there together. And okay, well, all right, all right. Well, the point, well, he, he targeted... Black people, non-white people, and uh, his 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 so-called logic for for or reason for doing it was to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth. When you when the rubber hit the road, that's what it comes down to. And and he he's a younger fella, and he's just raw. But his his uncles, aunties, cousins, mom and daddy, perhaps all of them think the same way. They just don't express it like that. 
So how, therefore, is this case going to start off in terms of public reaction to it? How is this case going to start off in terms of public reaction to it? Yes. I don't have a clue, but today is the birthday of uh, Malcolm X, uh, uh, and he said one time that uh, the media will have you loving your enemies and hating your friends. It's also the birthday of Lorraine Hansberry and Yuri Kochimangam. I, I can't pronounce the sister's last name. Yuri and Ho Chi Ming, too, to boot. I don't know what the media is going to do. But the media, I tell you what the media is going to do. As long as white supremacy is involved, the media is going to do everything it can to promote and protect and expand, establish, establish, maintain, and refine the system of, of white supremacy. White power mm-hmm. over non-white powerlessness. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for contributing today. Kenny, you are on the air. You know, you, you treat lead and the PLN family. You know, I see already, like, they are portraying him as just some sort of wayward child, you know, and uh, he's like a misguided child. And, you know, they see, just like the, the young lady said, he's, he's a product of his environment. And I remember last year, I believe it was, when um, a child shot up a school in Michigan and they went after the parents as well. And I'm wondering why they're not even doing that here. Because they had to know his mindset. And who knows if they were the ones that even got him in that mindset. You know, and, and they're really trying to portray him innocently. Or, and I, I saw the prosecutor already said, we're doing our best to make sure he gets a fair trial. These people in that supermarket weren't given a fair chance of anything. People who did nothing to this young man, but he's so caught up into his belief that, I don't know, like they feel like they have a right. They have more rights than everybody else, you know. And, you know, it's a shame that this is, you know, being propagandized these days, you know. And the and the media is going to handle it like he is some sort of innocent child just led astray here, and that's far from the truth, you know. So this this is what's going on in this country. They're allowing this stuff to to grow, you know. The media, the law, all of them. They are all allowing this to grow. You can see how he was treated with kids' gloves when they when we they have get to leave it. We have to leave it there for today. We can right. always come back and complete it tomorrow when okay. we have some more time. But thank you very much, Kenny, for contributing today. Thank you all for contributing today. And let's get together tomorrow and do some more talking. Bye-bye. All right, Patrice. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome.